Yes, now, in Genesis 35, to summarize the question, Genesis 35, 18, it says of Rachel, her soul was departing. And also in Isaac's case, in 35, 29, it said Isaac breathed his last. It's obvious that there's a soul and a body and there's an afterlife in the scriptures. Even the Old Testament teaches it throughout. Another passage would be Ecclesiastes 12.7. Then the dust will return to the ground from, which, from where it came, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. So there's the body that returns to the dust of the ground and the spirit that goes to God. Two components, two parts or natures in man. Well, the Bible is very clear on that, both Old and New Testaments. Your question entails the controversy that happened a few years ago at Oklahoma Baptist University in Shawnee, Oklahoma, where a student in the bachelor's program wrote a paper or a thesis, whatever they call it, an honorary paper because he's in the honors program. And in his paper, he denied the existence of the human soul. He denied the existence of the human soul. He only believed that we are animated with breath and we have a physical body, but we do not have a spiritual nature. We don't have that at all. And this was the son, one of the sons of a prominent Southern Baptist pastor of a megachurch in Oklahoma City. So what did he believe? What did he teach? He taught we don't have a soul. He sought to argue that the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, do not teach the existence of the soul. He misinterpreted some passages and ignored other passages to do so. Further, he asserted that to believe in the soul is Platonic, like Plato and his philosophy. He argued that it's Platonic philosophy, which Augustine, Augustine in the 300, 400s after the apostles, Augustine, he adopted Platonism or Neoplatonism in his theology, and that's when the existence of the soul was popularized in Christianity. Then that was further exacerbated, intensified in the time of the Reformation by Martin Luther and the other reformers, believing that we are justified by faith and things like that. So that was his argument. Then he says we need to learn from, from modern neuroscience to understand human nature. Modern neuroscience. And he presented this in his lecture, his lecture of about 30 minutes to summarize his thesis. Well, I was there. I was a professor at the time. When I saw the advertisement and I saw the, the title for his lecture, I knew it was going to be bad news. I could tell from his lecture title that he was going to deny the soul. So I and a colleague went to listen. And being, being gentle and kind and loving, as I usually am, I, I, I listened to it. I listened to it. I maintained self-control. Then, when it was time for Q&A, the last 30 minutes, time for Q&A, I raised my hand and I said, you've made reference to these two or three Hebrew words, but have you studied all the occurrences of those words in the Old Testament, in context? 
And his answer was no. He did not study all the occurrences of those words. Well, then I proceeded to read a couple of verses where those words were used, the words for spirit and soul in the Old Testament, and read those and asked him to comment, and he had no comment on it. He just said, I I haven't studied those, so I'm not going to comment. That's how he dismissed it. And then my colleague, he decided that he was going to ask the student about Matthew 10, 28. In Matthew 10, 28, it says, And do not fear those who kill the body, but afterwards are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Doesn't this mean that the soul exists after the body is put to death? It exists in the afterlife? Christ is teaching us that? That's what the colleague asked the student. The student said, yes, there are some questions about the origin or the, the, the tradition that's presented there in Matthew. The origin, and what he meant by that was, he was taught by his professors that Matthew did not write Matthew. Some fanatical Christian after Matthew and the time of the apostles compiled or wrote this book of Matthew, which we dub Matthew because the tyrants in the hierarchy of Christendom in the early centuries, those tyrants, they held councils and they manipulated the common people. They named it Matthew, but Matthew did not write Matthew. Matthew the disciple, Matthew or Levi, the disciple of Christ, the 12, one of the 12 apostles, did not write the book of Matthew. That's what he wanted to say, but he didn't say to the audience. But I know the terminology, the lingo in academia, that's what he meant. That there is some question about the source or the tradition of that passage. That's all he said, and he went on to the next question. He didn't answer it. These people, they present themselves as brilliant. And I read the paper. They present themselves as brilliant, but they are absolutely ignorant They are absolutely unbelievers, heretics. They are malicious. They are poisonous. They are poisonous to their own souls and to the souls of others. Yet, they don't have enough courage and knowledge to debate somebody who knows what he's talking about. They would never do that. And if they were to do it, just like the Q&A went, whenever he wants to move on, he just gives a short answer, a dismissive answer to the question, And moves on to the next question. That's how bad it is. That's how bad it is not only at Oklahoma Baptist University. But that's how bad it is in any and every institution of Christianity. They don't teach the Bible. They don't teach it faithfully. They don't expect sound doctrine. They don't expect sound living. They don't expect any of that. To raise money they do. They will tell their donors, oh, yes, we preach the gospel. Oh, yes, we believe the Bible's inspired. Oh, yes, we are sending great missionaries across the world. They, they say that to raise money, but it's not true. They are full of lies. Nahum 3.1, uh, woe to the bloody city, completely full of lies and pillage. Her prey never departs. Ephraim is filled with lies and the house of Israel with deceit. That's what is happening in Christian institutions, let alone the godless institutions of the world. That's even worse. So he wasn't expelled from the university? He he graduated with honors. He received an award or two. 
He was not expelled. He was not disowned. They didn't take his degree away from him. Nothing like that happened. And then he went on to study at um, Duke University. He went to Duke University to get a, a, a master's degree and to move on. I don't know what he's doing now, but that's what happened to him. His name, Brandon Melton. Brandon Melton. The son of Doug Melton, um, who I don't know if he is now, but he was Southern Hills Baptist Church pastor. The father was. And actually, at least one other son, the older son, he was also corrupted by Oklahoma Baptist University. I met him once and had a conversation with him. He was corrupted too. He and his wife, they were both corrupted. He has a third son the pastor does. I don't know what his spiritual condition is. And the father was there. Yes, the father was at the lecture. The mother was at the lecture. And I think the grandfather was also at the lecture. But certainly the parents were at the lecture. And I was at the lecture. And they know me. (laughs) And they said nothing to me. They said nothing to me about the lecture or my questions. Nothing. Do you know how many, like, just about how many people were there attending the lecture and listening? There were probably at least 40, if not 50 or 60 people in the room. Do you think there was a lot of teachers there probably? Yes, there were probably uh, about 10 teachers there, 10 professors. And you and your colleague were the only ones that stood up and said Yes, I and my colleague, we were the only two that raised an objection of that sort. The others just asked... um, Wiffle ball questions, you know, fluffy wiffle ball questions. Yes. 